Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, we've got a little bit of a gambit here. We've got uh, some Giannis talk, some, a player that got waived, a player that finally signed, and some uh, off-season updates now that we're uh, heading into September here. So I want to start with Giannis. He has been public of recent about his current contract situation, uh, potentially whether or not he wants to sign an extension in Milwaukee. Can you break down all the, the logistics, contract information uh, that we're dealing with Giannis right now? Sure, yeah. So he is essentially newly uh, extension eligible. So that's that's part of why this is coming up. But anytime it's a star player, people are going to ask uh, when they have the opportunity, hey, what are you thinking about sticking around? Uh, he's on the books this year, $45.6 million. Next season, $48.8 million. Then he has a $51.9 million player option for the 25-26 season. So if he was to extend right now, um, he could do that and add um, two years onto his deal. Um, bringing that out to to a five year deal. If he was to extend um, beyond that, uh, you know, if he waited waited till till next summer, um, that's then you know my guess is you would see him probably decline the player option and then add um, multiple years onto that. So he would add um, four years onto the back end there. He's already at the 10 plus years of service. Um, you know, he hit 10 years last year, which as an aside, how, how, how has Giannis been in the league for 10 years already? Like that, that, that just, you know, is kind of mind blowing. Um, Cause I still remember when it was like, yeah, there's, there's this kid right coming in and nobody really knows what it'll become. And here we are, you know, he's t- 10 years in now, but what, what we're seeing with him is because he's at, you know, the salaries he's at, uh, he doesn't necessarily need to play this out to free agency to fully cash in the most he possibly can because he'll already be at the max even on a standard veteran extension. So that's kind of where it's at, you know, numbers wise with that. We're going to have a piece up on the site that breaks down the numbers in great detail. Everybody knows uh, listening to this, or at least we hope um, our next contract series will have one up on Giannis uh, coming here fairly soon. And it'll break everything down in detail as to, you know, what he can do and when he can do it and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, the timing's interesting. He's extension eligible. Why speak up now when you're under contract, uh, you have another solid guaranteed year in 24, 25. And then, like you said, the player option in 25, 26, is this just, uh, you know, putting the ball in Milwaukee's court of you need to do something more than you've done right now because I want to win another championship or is he just starting to um, get antsy and and maybe just want to leave Milwaukee and this is a sign of I might want to trade here soon yeah I think the first part why now is he was asked right and then I think he just was asked and he answered but i think you know he you know even obviously he could have kind of blown it off and said hey i'm under contract and we're gonna go from there but anytime these guys are asked about a contract if they even try to blow it off then it turns into whoa wait a minute like you didn't answer and you know then people like us decide that's not answer is is an answer and we we decide to answer for them but i think in this case what Giannis is doing is basically as a superstar for the bucks 
he's putting that pressure on him. They they re-signed Chris Middleton this offseason. They re-signed Brooke Lopez. Drew Holiday is extension eligible as he's he's got two years left on his contract, but next season's a player option, so they can go ahead and extend him right now if they want to. So this seems to be Giannis putting a little pressure on saying, hey, like, don't get cheap on me now. Like, don't, don't start turning this into, well, we can't afford player X, Y, and Z because we have you and we've got these other guys. I think what he's trying to do is tell the Bucs, hey, we, we need to keep this moving, right? We need to keep things going forward and into a good place. And, and how he's doing that is by uh, kind of exercising what I like to call the superstars right of saying, hey, I'm good here and I'm happy here, but we need to stay a contender. We need to keep trying to win because if we don't do that, then I'm going to, you know, probably start to say, wait a minute. And he made it very clear in the piece. He doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild and that he already feels like, Hey, I did my job. I won Milwaukee a title. You know, we, we did that. And, you know, I think he's kind of setting the stage for it's up to the bucks. Now, if they stay invested and continue to uh, plow money into this team and try to keep this group together, He's perfectly content to stay and stick around. But if they get cheap at all and say, ah, we can't really afford it, then I think you're going to see him start to agitate on going a different way. So what does this mean for the rest of the league? I mean, if if I'm another team, I'm calling, I'm offering the four first (laughs) rounds, I'm offering everything under the sun that I can potentially offer to maybe even pry him out of it out of Milwaukee earlier than maybe Milwaukee wants to give up on him. So what, what does this mean for the rest of the league? Yeah, and I think if I'm the Bucks, I'm saying, yeah, great, thanks. You know, sign over the whole franchise to us, and you know, then then you know, maybe we can figure something out because the reality is nobody has, as of today, a package of stuff good enough to get Giannis that that you could actually move in a trade to get him and kind of keep things moving forward. That's realistic, obviously. You know, teams could could. Yeah, well, we we could say the Thunder trade the entire franchise worth of players for him and kind of go that direction, but that's not realistic. So I think basically right now what the league is basically going to do is say, okay, that's great, but really with two guaranteed years left under his contract, the Bucks are certainly not going to move him this year. And then we'll see if after the season, if he starts agitating towards you know, I think I want to trade much like Damian Lillard did, you know, at roughly the same point in his career with Portland. Then now all of a sudden you're going to have everybody lining up. And if the Bucks hold firm and say, we're not going to trade him, then what you'll see is in that summer of 25, 26, everybody who possibly can will be lining up to have cap space to make a run at trying to sign Giannis. Yeah, this next season and a half or so leading up to the 24-25 trade deadline will, will be very fascinating because now that this has been out, people are going to watch Giannis on the court, off the court, his demeanor even more so. Similar to what happened to LeBron James when you know he was super frustrated with the team and you could, everyone was watching his body language during games. Uh, a, a similar situation, I think, could start here in Milwaukee with Giannis. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're going to all read way too much into everything. And it's you know, going to be, oh, he didn't high five, you know, Brooke Lopez on his way. <laughs> Rightfully back so. To the huddle and, <laughs> Rightfully right, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and, you know, and that's just the way it goes, you know, with, with guys that are that talented. So so we'll, we'll see. But I, I think this is one where 
as of right now, I'm going to say this is one. I'm going to file it away. And then, you know, after this coming season is when we'll start to get probably a lot more serious about, all right, what, you know, could Giannis decide to do here? All right, moving on. JaVale McGee was waived and stretched by Dallas yesterday, officially clear some cap space for next year, this year and next year, because now it's over five years that his cap will be uh, dinged to Dallas's uh, uh, cap sheet. What does it mean for education for people that are listening? What does it mean for the salary to be stretched in the NBA? Because yeah. it's not done in any other sport. Sure. Yeah. And and I think this is, you know, the NBA's answer to, you know, in the NFL, we know they, they, they do all sorts of things where they convert guaranteed money and a signing bonus and that frees up cap space and all this other stuff outside of extreme circumstances. The NBA doesn't really have any kind of renegotiation ability. And one thing they definitely don't have is the ability to renegotiate a contract down. As far as cap it goes, there there is a mechanism where guys can can turn a guaranteed year into non guaranteed. It's extremely rare. Ty Lawson, I believe, is the last player to do it, and it didn't exactly work out well for him um, when he did that either. But he was also going through a lot of problems at that point uh, off the court stuff. So one of the things the NBA does allow teams to do is when they're going to waive a player, um, they can make a designation to waive and stretch. Uh, the cap it. So what they do is they take the amount of years left on the contract and they allow the teams to do two times the number of years left plus one year. So in this case uh, for JaVale McGee, um, he had two years left under contract. So that becomes five years. So what you do is you take the total money. So in McGee's case, again, that's about 11.7 million. And you stretch that number over the course of five seasons. So, this year, the Mavericks will take a dead cap hit. And this is all presuming McGee isn't claimed off waivers, because if he is, um, then the, the claiming team would assume the entirety of his contract and Dallas would be on the hook for nothing. Reality is he's not going to be claimed off waivers. So the, the Mavs will have $2.3 million in dead money on their books for this coming summer and then or this coming year league year and then on their books all the way through every league year through the 2027-2028 uh, season they'll they'll be on the hooks for that 2.3 million in change um on the books now McGee's situation's a little complicated because in his case the second year of his salary is a player option but what happens is before the player is waived the player is assumed to have opted in uh, to that player option. Then that, that means that they opt in and then they get that full amount of money. If it's a team option, it works the opposite way. You're assuming that team option would have been declined. If it's non-guaranteed, obviously then you know it, it doesn't go in as anything. If it's partial, it's the partial amount that gets added to that total. Why this had to happen now was he needed to be waived by August 31st. Uh, in order to stretch this current year's salary. Now, once we hit September 1st, which is tomorrow, Friday, um, as we record this on Thursday the 31st, um, you would not be able to stretch this year's salary. You would only be able to stretch future year's salary. So 
Dallas creates about 3.4 million in wiggle room tax wise um, with, with this, which is, is not a bad thing for them because they are operating fairly close to the luxury tax. So, so that, that that's, you know, a little bit of extra wiggle room uh, for the Mavs under that presumably uh, or reportedly, I should say they're going to sign Markeith Morris to either a non or partially guaranteed contract. He was with them 10 last season, came over from the Nets in the Kyrie Irving trade, but that's kind of where everything is with JaVale McGee. And, and what are the rules after you've been waived and stretched? Isn't there a rule that he's not allowed to return to Dallas for one year or am I missing thinking of something else? No, you're, you're on it. It's a little bit different though. It's through the duration of the original contract. Gotcha. So what that means is the original contract was through the 24, 25 season. So he would not be able to resign um, with, with them uh, during that portion of time because his contract was stretched. Had he been straight waived, um, and they ate the 5.7 million this year and the 6 million next year, they could have resigned him. But at that point, if you're waving and stretching a guy, it's generally to create yourself some kind of wiggle room. And, and what this is the 3.4 million in additional, um, you know, space that they gained doing this this year is nice, but this is really about, I think it's about creating 3.7 million in wiggle room next summer. Um, when, when Dallas, you know, they, they've got some stuff to to really consider because next summer in the summer of 2024 you've got Luca on the books at 43 million Kyrie at 40 million you've got Maxi Kleba at 11 Tim Hardaway Jr's in the last year his contract at 16.2 and then Grant Williams one of this summer's additions at a little over 13 million so so you're you're, you're just trying to you know give yourself some space and you know the reality is this is a huge admission of you know what this didn't work. And it was one of those ones where this was, didn't look like a bad signing to begin with. And that's mm-hmm. what it absolutely turned into here uh, for the Mavs uh, down the stretch of, you know, last season, really not even down the stretch. It was pretty early on when I was like, all right, this wasn't a good deal. And now we're into a spot where we could confidently say this was a failure of a signing misuse of the MLE. And, you know, here, here we are eating money to try to get out of it, you know, earlier than they could have otherwise. So we're going to get the best available free agents, but now that he is a, going to be a potential street free agent because uh, if he gets through waivers, any rumored places that McGee may land? Yeah, we heard the Kings have some interest, which seems a little odd to me. I'm not I'm not entirely sure why, unless they, you know, it might be a Mike Brown really likes him kind of thing. But Alex Len is back in Sacramento. He had a really nice finished to last season. Trey Lyles can also play the five. Obviously, DeMontis Sabonis is entrenched as the starting center uh, in Sacramento. And then they added Nerlens Noel and gave him a relatively uh, hefty guarantee uh, this offseason. So so I, I'm not entirely sure why the, the Kings would want to get involved unless they really feel like, hey, it's one more big. He's a good guy to have kind of in the locker room where everybody likes him where we'd be very happy to have him around then then maybe we we'd go there and then you know lakers fans started agitating for the lakers to look at him i believe there was a report the lakers may consider him but they're they've been known to be in the market for maybe adding one more big uh to their mix there he's obviously been a laker in the past had a lot of success there but but that those are kind of the teams that immediately jumped out so i think mcgee might be in a spot where it's hey let's take a look let's see you know this could even be one where a month two months into the season let's survey the landscape let's see who's got some injuries and let's try to work it out that way all right pj washington 
restricted free agent has finally signed with the Charlotte Hornets. Three years, $48 million. From reports, it sounds like he does have likely incentives built in. Um, so what are you hearing as far as uh, specifics with the contract? And was this a, is this a win-win for both sides um, now that he's back on Charlotte? Yeah, as for the contract, it's three years, $48 million, as you said. That does have some incentives in there. It sounds like about $500,000 uh, per, per season. So so that's going to knock the numbers down just slightly um, each year from what they could have been because those are considered unlikely right now. And what they did was, I think, more to just kind of game the cap a little bit. Um, did these incentives kick in if he plays in 74 or more games and plays at least 2,400 minutes? Well, last year he played 73 games and played 2,380 minutes. So he's just shy uh, of the marker um, to, to hit those to be likely. So that, that was obviously a purposeful thing by the Hornets. And that's probably just to give themselves a little bit of wiggle room and make sure, you know, hey, where, where do we go with this? So now um, what's going to happen is sounds like first year salary starts about 16.8 million. Then the second year, 15.5 and a final year salary of about 14.2 million. So the salary goes down by the time we get to that 14.2 where we're getting really close um, in that third year into the range of that potentially being a, um, uh, you know, less, less than a right around uh, the mid level amount. Well, well, we're projecting that as of today projects out to be about 14.2 million. So, so we'll be, be about there. So that that's where the contract hits for, for Washington for now value wise. I think this is perfectly fine. I think, it's this is restricted free agency is really really tough on the players um so it's making it really hard uh for them to kind of um you know make it into a spot where if you're not a prime guy or a prime re-signing kind of guy you're gonna sit in restricted free agency for a while and at this point for pj washington there's no cap space left a couple teams could have thrown him uh the mid-level amount but the mid-level even at 12.4 million for this season clearly charlotte would have just matched that and and kept him so that turns into does he sign the qualifying offer yeah he could have he could have signed the qualifying offer and that could have you know put put him in a spot to then be back in free agency a year from now but that's only 8.5 million and a lot of times we've seen guys sign the qualifying offer two that come to mind greg monroe and rodney hood and it didn't really go great for them um Monroe never really developed hood ended up getting injured and it just didn't go where they wanted it to go um, as free agents. So they, they never really kind of saw that money come back around to them. So for Washington, this is a chance. Hey, let me, let me lock in some money right now. Let me lock in, you know, 17 million in the first year and, you know, for 40 plus million in, in total uh, salary. And we'll, we'll kind of, you know, make this work and, and go from there. So I, I think all around this, this is good uh, value to kind of split the difference. Yeah, I agree. If they're offering you that kind of money when you could do 8.5 and, but you're locking in that, you know, guaranteed money, you take it because we've seen contracts being offered in the past from reports and players sort of bet on themselves and, and, and it didn't work out as they wished it to because they were, yeah. you know, the rotation player. I think if I remember correctly, Dennis Smith Jr. with Dallas or something like that had been offered. There was someone with Dallas they were offered and, and they didn't uh, 
signed it and banked on themselves, and now they've made even less than they could have made in that original deal. Um, uh, Dennis Schroeder, Schroeder might be the one yes. you're thinking of yep. with the Lakers. I had the Dennis yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the Dennis part was right for sure. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Schroeder was reportedly offered a four year. You know, it was somewhere in the range of seventy eight to eighty four million. So we'll just call it eighty million. Um, turned it down because he thought he'd get more. Ended up having a sign for the taxpayer MLE with Boston. Now, uh, then, then a minimum with the Lakers. Then he parlayed that into playing really well and he got himself a mid-level deal from the Raptors. But yeah, those are the problems. When you do these things, you may not end up landing out where you want. And, you know, in Charlotte too, it's a little bit of a uh, confusing front court situation because Miles Bridges is back uh, this year. He's under contract and Miles Bridges did sign the qualifying offer. So, you know, he's going to want to be putting up numbers, playing well and trying to really prove, Hey, I'm, 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 you know, back i've rehabbed myself i'm a better person than i was and you know we we you you can feel good about giving me you know a 20 25 million dollar a year contract which is quite frankly where he was headed was towards probably a max deal um before the the domestic violence um issues that he had right on the eve of free agency last year but in addition bridges is back gordon hayward's still there finally over 31.5 million dollar contract again Going to want to show, hey, I can still play. I'm still valuable. I'm still worth signing. And then you add on top of that, Brandon Miller, this year's first-round draft pick, joins the mix as well. And sure, yeah, you could maybe play Miller at the two some. You could Hayward can definitely play the two. And maybe you, you, you do that, and that's how you get there. But that is a front court that, that it's just got a lot of guys who need to play, guys who, who need minutes and those kind of things. Now, Bridges is out to start the season. Uh, Hayward, it's just – the reality is he's probably going to suffer some kind of injury and miss some time. So it'll probably sort itself out. But if I'm PJ Washington, I'm looking at it. I'm starting to say, eh, playing on the qualifying offer and betting on myself when this situation may dictate, I only get, you know, 25 minutes a night. He, he may have you know said, no, let me take that money now and we can figure it all out in a few years. And by doing only a three year deal, he'll get back on the market while he's still in his prime and you'll be in a good place. If he plays well to cash in again. That and it's a solid value of about sixteen million. Where trade piece come trade deadline, a team does need someone, and you know if he's looking solid, they may be able to flip him for something else, having yeah. that sixteen million. Uh, last yeah, very question, very tradable for sure. Last question with this is um, restricted free agency. It seems to be extremely broken because there's no teams that can really you know, from year to year have cap space, you know, there's five or six and to actually have legitimate cap space is restricted free agency going to be something that is contended in the the next CBA. I know we just signed a new one, but is it something that's going to start to come up more and more um, to have to be revamped somehow, whether they don't necessarily have to use cap space or, you know, using rights, but you can't sign them to, as long just as if you are a normal unrestricted free agent. Do you have any sense for that or hearing rumblings? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely rumblings out there. They existed before. And, and I think, you know, everybody kind of said it just wasn't really a thing on the table to, to discuss this time around. But I do think we're in a spot where, yeah, we may see that become like a real thing where some folks will want to kind of get in there because I think what, what we're, kind of seeing in this um, uh, space now with free agency is, to your point, teams 
teams don't load up on cap space the way they used to. Now, maybe if the extensions start to turn into, we've got a whole bunch of guys like Giannis and these guys that are past 10 years and signing extension doesn't get them more money than they could have got otherwise. And maybe we'll see, you know, a handful of those guys hit free agency and stuff. And we've seen, you know, every once in a while, you know, still some major guy uh, goes into the free agent market. But I think we're in a spot where, um, Teams want to be able to, if they draft and develop a player, they want every incentive to keep that player. And sometimes, you know, if we do get in back into a place where teams are pursuing cap space, the, you know, fifth year they can offer versus four years from another team, the, um, you know, 8% raises over the versus the 5% raises, it's just not enough. And some guys may say, now nah, I want to get out of here. So I don't know that you're going to see teams uh openly say all right you know we'll we'll move on you know we'll we'll kind of give up um on the uh whole cap space thing or on the restricted free agency thing rather so i think what we are looking at though is from the player side their argument is going to be these guys are stuck because nobody wants to tie up their cap space even if they've only made it uh 24 hours to match an offer sheet teams still just don't want to bother with it because it's the reality is it's 24 hours after the moratorium lifts. So then you're, you're kind of having to negotiate, put a bunch of guys on hold and then figure it out from there. So there, there's problem number one with that. And then I think the other part for, um, for these teams is they start to look at it and say, geez, you know what? This is really a spot where they're just going to match anyway. So, you know, why are we even going to bother? That seems to be what happened with Austin Reeves and all that. So I do think we might see some negotiating where it may be, Hey, you can make a player restricted, but you're, you're doing it in the case of a, um, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody who didn't sign a rookie scale extension, but all right. So Tyrese Maxey, right? So Philly, you can make him restricted by giving him a, uh, you know, full max qualifying offer, which is a thing that exists, but that's the only way you make them restricted. Or maybe you look at it and say, if it's Austin Reeves, you have to offer, you know, a minimum of, you know, the, uh, you know, you know, some percentage amount over it of, you know, then, then you, you get his restricted rights. Otherwise, you know, we'll, we'll go. And that, that could be a way to find middle ground to protect the teams while also still giving the players a chance. But the reality is, it's it's restricted for a reason, right? It's aptly named because that movement is very restricted. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, it'll be interesting to to keep an eye on is for sure as we get closer to the new CBA and how the new one flushes out. Um, off season update: three hundred eighteen players signed. This includes uh, exhibit tens and nines and that kind of stuff. So we're at three hundred twenty players signed, five billion dollars plus in total value. $4.6 billion in guaranteed. Um, as a breakdown, free agency is at $2.17 billion in total value. Extensions are over $2 billion in extensions. Draft pick signings are $883 million in signings. And we're still not done because there may be some other non-max rookies that sign. We're going to, as we get closer to the deadline, we may have veteran extensions that do get done, but this was a uh, a lower offseason overall, Keith, 100 million less than last season overall, but it's been the it's the lowest of the last three since since COVID hit. So um, as a whole, 
yay, nay on the offseason with what we're talking about from a financial standpoint? Yeah, and, and I think we'll get to even because I think what we're going to see is there's still probably going to be a handful more guys who sign rookie scale extensions. So guys, for a good example, a guy like Devin Vassell on the Spurs have liked to try to get their guys locked up when they can. And I think there's a chance the Spurs look at it and say, all right, let's get that done. Um, because then it's just done and complete and we can move on, but he's also not a max guy. So they, the guys who are generally get their extensions done are either max guys or a spot where the team is like, you know what? We finished all our other work. Let's just knock this one out too. In this case for the Spurs, they, they've, they still have some roster stuff to do um, with that. So that may still get there. And if that gets there, that's probably going to push, you know, put push us up to, you know, a spot where now we're probably pushing extensions, you know, came in higher than actual free agent deals. And I think that speaks to the, to the fact that extensions and trades are the way business is getting done now um, versus straight free agent signings. And then the straight free agent signings is very dependent on class and this was a very poor uh free agent class so we'll see if that's the way this kind of continues over the next several years is this you know where this trends does the new cba and everything going up you know we'll we'll see if it hits 10 percent for this year and the next year um but then 10 percent probably the years after that for the cap you know does that entice more guys into free agency do guys look at it and say man, Portland drew a hard line here on Damian Lillard and didn't just, you know, up and trade him at, you know, the first offer they got from his desired place. The guys say, man, maybe I do want to hit free agency. So I think it's going to be kind of interesting to monitor, you know, how that all changes because this stuff kind of constantly evolves and grows and new life is found as teams and players start to figure out, you know, the landscape and what's uh, most advantageous for them. Yeah, especially with the super tax coming into play, mm-hmm. now that's going to hinder some signings. It's funny how the league goes through through spurts. There was the spurt of the uh, sign and trade. Now we're in the spurt of let's just do these extensions to lock them up, to have them so that we have trade assets um, and, and not as many get to free agency. So it's interesting to see the trend. It'll be fun to see what the next trend is now that we do have the new CBA. And like you said, as teams start to uh, assess their future, uh, how they they pivot one way or another. Do they uh, want to go to free agency or let the players get to free agency? Do they continue down the path of extensions? Um, so that's going to be fun. Best value, best available free agents. Since we're talking about the off season, we still have some uh, quite a few uh, players that are out there. Uh, some of the top, based on uh, what you've ranked, was you know we have Will Barton left. Christian Wood, who was your number four center. Uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., who was your number eight small forward. And then there's a handful of rotation guys. But I want to go back up to Christian Wood. Is this a point? Is he at a point where he just ends up going back to Dallas? Or is that uh, soured there and he's just waiting for, you know, maybe an injury to happen and another team pick him up? What? what of Christian Wood because he's such a high value, you know, center that you had coming into the free agent market. Yeah, I mean, and this was one where I read the market 
you're wrong. I, I thought you know teams would still value him, and right now teams have kind of said, "Man, eh, we're 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 good." Doesn't play enough defense. Um, he's been kind of a tricky guy in the locker room at times, where he's been you know known to get into some stuff, and and it just doesn't you know. I'm guessing teams kind of looked as far as going back to Dallas. No chance that happens, even with Javale McGee gone i think the mavs have you know they, they've moved on at that position they they re-signed dwight powell they traded for rashawn holmes and then they drafted Derek lively they're they're good they're, they're you know not bringing him in and even if they even if you said well could they you know play him at the four they went ahead and signed grant williams and then they uh or signed and traded for grant williams and then they signed Derek jones jr so so they yeah, dallas is is done in the christian wood game Maybe they could get involved if there's some team that wants to do a sign and trade. We'll see. So I think Christian Wood, what he's looking at right now is, all right, let's see what happens with a James Harden trade, with a Damian Lillard trade. If the Heat have to do a three or four for one type of trade or a you know, four for two, five for two type of trade, really unbalanced and open up roster spots, I think Christian Wood could look at it and say, all right, I'll go to Miami. It's going to be on the minimum but I can play a lot because I think what you have to be realistic about if you're Christian Wood is, all right, I'm probably playing for the minimum now. So what happens then is, all right, I need a real role where I can play. I want to be on a good team where I'll get, you know, exposure and people won't forget about me and what, and I'll prove, you know, all right, I can, you know, kind of re, re uh, re-up my value like we just talked about a little bit ago with Dennis Schroeder he played really well for the Lakers last year and then landed a full mid-level deal uh this this summer from the Toronto Raptors so I think if you're a Christian Wood that's your goal right is let, let me you know get somewhere good let me rehab my value and go and my guess is he's just waiting now on all right where's that spot gonna open up what about some of these rotation guys? You got Ish Smith, Kendrick Nunn, Austin Rivers, Blake Griffin, TJ Warren. I, I mean, are, obviously they're just more rotation minimum salary guys. Are there anyone else out there that you can see uh, landing a spot here as we uh, get closer to training camp? Yeah, I think we we you mentioned Kelly Oubre Jr. before. I think yep. he's in the same boat as Christian Wood now. I think where it's going to be, right, it's probably going to be for the minimum, maybe chances of part of an exception from a team. But let's see, is there, you know, one of these unbalanced trades that opens up minutes on the wing and I can step in and play a whole lot. Will Barton maybe in that same boat. But Will Barton just, he, he, he didn't look good with Washington and then was really bad. Uh, with Toronto so uh, we might be heading down the hey we'll we'll throw you a non-guaranteed come in and try to prove it kind of deal but nobody's going to invest a lot all the other guys you mentioned you know Ish Smith Kendrick Nunn Austin Rivers all three you know good veteran depth guards and they're probably looking at and saying all right let's see what it looks like you know when we get into training camp can I go somewhere awesome rivers has already done this before where he went in on a non-guaranteed deal and kind of won his his roster spot he's probably you know in the similar type boat again but those guys are all you know third uh, point guard type guys or uh, fourth fifth type guard players in a rotation where they're probably not going to play a lot but if you have an injury you can plug them in and you go from there that's where Blake Griffin is I think if Blake Griffin decides, yeah, I want to play again, he's going to have teams. He played well enough last year in a limited role for the Celtics where I think Boston would love to have him back. They they loved him in the locker room and kind of go from there. And then if he wants to, to you know, go somewhere else and contend for a title, you know, he'll have that opportunity too. That one's probably more based on what does he want to do? Where does he want to live? 
does he want to play at all? Does he want to wait and say, you know what? I, I, I'll wait. I'll sign, you know, in you know, uh, October after the training camp preseason stuff is over. I'll come in a little later or, you know, I'll come in after the holidays and join a team there and figure it out then. Then TJ Warren's a really interesting one because I thought, you know, the Nets did a really nice job of get him last year on the minimum, but he just doesn't look like he can move the same way. It looks like those uh, foot injuries have really kind of sapped him of some of his ability. But again, you're talking about a guy who could probably give you 15, 20 minutes a night off the bench on a good team. And that's probably much like I said with those other guys, just evaluate the market, see what's open. Can I get some minutes? Can I be on a contender? Can I actually play a role? And then I'll sign on. I know Boston was bringing them in for a workout. They could use a little bit more wing forward depth. So maybe something pops there. But these guys are all just kind of in wait and see mode right now. Anything else with this offseason? Any upcoming deadlines outside of the stretch and wave and stretch that we talked about? Or any any rumors of you know extensions that may be coming for veterans that you're starting to hear as we wrap up here? Yeah, not a lot going on right now. This is kind of the NBA's coming out a little bit out of their dead period. August is is generally a little bit more of a quiet time um, on the NBA league calendar. So what, what you're going to start to see um, here in the next, um, you know, probably over the next course of the next month, teams are going to fill out their rosters. There's going to be a whole slew of uh, signings and training camp signings, and you're going to see um, – you know, I, I know something that you, you and I track and we try to make sure we get them all in is guys who were signed, but then immediately waived because the team's really just trying to get their G League rights and those kind of things. Um, so that's where, where you're going to see a whole lot of that stuff come um, there. Um, we're, we're down to, you know, extensions will be the, the last day for um, extensions is going to be right ahead of the uh, start of the regular season. So that that's where um, we're there. Veteran extensions for guys like we talked about Giannis and those kind of guys who have more than one season left. Um, that that's a thing. And then it's um, also you have the, the, the um, point on those, if guys have more, if only, excuse me, have only one season left, um, they can extend all the way through uh, the end of the league year on, on June 30th. So, so that's kind of, kind of where we're at on that one. Um, and then October 31st is the last uh, day to exercise those rookie scale options. So what happens is ahead of training camp end of September, beginning of October, as teams, teams and players start getting back into their cities and everybody's filtering in, that's when you'll start seeing some of the stuff pick back up and maybe another extension or two as guys are saying, Hey, let's get this done before camp starts. So before media day, we can just move on. So, so going to be really, really busy as far as major, yo, know, oh my gosh, headline moves. It's Lillard and Harden. We're all waiting on those to see if they're traded. And if, if not them, then it's going to be you know a ton of important stuff gets done, but nothing that's going to grab your know, major headlines and you know cause you and I to have late night texts of, all right, I'll get that up first thing in the morning and kind of stuff like that. Right, right. All right. What is next? I know you'll, you've already uh, said Giannis next contract is coming. What else you got coming on behind that? Yeah, I, I think what what's um you know we've got two things coming. We we I think we've held as long as we can on the North uh, West off season kind of, kind of recap. So that that'll come out um here you know hopefully later this week. But we're we're gonna do a next contract series on Giannis. It'll be our kind of first one uh, going. Um, we we did get up 
uh, you know, a James Harden situation where it broke down in really great detail of, you know, what a uh, great detail as far as volume. Well, I'll let you judge the quality of the detail, um, you know, de- uh, for, for readers and listeners. Um, but, you know, there's a ton of stuff in there that explains how did we get here? You know, what's going on with this? You know, where are we at with everything with James Harden? But yeah, we're going to do a Giannis next contract series. Um, and then, then we'll get that Northwest uh, thing. And then, you know, as soon as a Damian Lillard trade happens, doesn't happen, mm-hmm. whatever it is, uh, we'll, we'll be all over ready to analyze it and kind of go from there. All right. Yes, that James Harden uh, contract situation with 76ers was phenomenal. Great breakdown. If you haven't gone and read it, it's still on the top half of Track. You can click on it and go give it a read. Uh, we're looking forward to the Giannis one for sure. I know those are always hot topics to want to read and see what, you are going to uh, come up with for all the different scenarios that players can do. If you are looking for a contract, uh, next contract series for a certain player, please feel free to tweet X, whatever you want to call it at this point to Keith. He's at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, thanks for everything you've done. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the NBA next podcast. <laughs>